Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. And uh, this uh, podcast is part of our new series called Flyover Block, which is uh, all things around the blockchain. And today we have to talk to Vignesh Sunarasan. Vignesh is the lead and architect on the blockchain project Lendroid. And Lendroid's platform will provide loans to enable mar- margin trading and short selling of ERC20 tokens, which we'll learn more about. So, uh, Vignesh, thanks for coming on our show today. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And and before we get into kind of what you're doing, I'm always curious, like, where where did you grow up and uh, where are you living now? Uh, sure. So, I, I'm uh, from Tamil Nadu, which is the southern state of India. Uh, I, I come from a city called Chennai, and I grew, grew up in Chennai until I was around 20. And then uh, I started uh, moving moving into Dubai. I stayed in Dubai for five years, uh, went back to Chennai for three years, and then came to Canada. So I've been in Canada now for around five years. Uh, first came to Ottawa. Ottawa feels like home now, and uh, now I live in Toronto. So, yeah, been in a few places. Oh, wonderful. And and how did you end up in Canada? What uh, prompted you to go there? So actually, before uh, I came to Canada, I already was... Uh, acquainted with bitcoins and i was thinking what do i do around this uh i was really poor back then i had no money so i could not invest in them so i really wanted to make a service where i could earn bitcoin and this was in india where my mom thought i was playing around with fantasy like stock market and stuff and she was uh, worried actually so uh i thought i have to go to another place where i can find uh like uh, people who understand what's happening and it was either the US or or Canada back then. Um, US was really difficult to enter. Um, as a student, you can come there, but uh, uh, being an entrepreneur, Canada was a very good choice for me. Interesting, interesting. And like we talked about before the interview, Toronto is, has a, a quite a great uh, blockchain community. So you chose well, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's just luck, but uh, yeah, it ended up quite good. <laughs> that's right. All right, well, uh, let's chat a little bit about what you're doing now with Lendroid. Can you uh, kind of tell us um, about Lendroid, just kind of a, a brief overview would be awesome. Sure. So I don't want to get into too much of the technical parts of it, but overall, I think uh, with blockchain, the promise is that uh, you don't have to trust a third party uh, for your transactions, right? So that's the whole point of a blockchain, uh, where you don't trust a third party for your data, for holding your money, for being an escrow, etc. So with crypto today, you can you you have various exchanges where you can trade, but it's still the traditional model where you have a central custody of your funds, and uh, because of that, there has been several hacks. And the hacks you have heard about is not on the Bitcoin or the blockchain level. It's usually because you gave your money to a central custodian and, and say that got stolen or something. So we are trying to solve that problem where we say, let's bring back custodianship on the blockchain while we allow you to trade. Uh, when I say trade, uh, I mean leveraging your positions, short selling, 
um, uh, earning interest for your uh, digital assets lying around, etc. So that's what we are trying to achieve. Interesting. Okay. And uh, can you kind of tell us how it would work? And, uh, uh, you know, if, if I wanted to get this one of these custodian accounts, you know, on the Lenroid mm-hmm. blockchain, how, mm-hmm. how would I go about doing it? And would I start trading your tokens or another token or kind of go walk sure. us through the process? Sure. Uh, so how uh, Lendroid itself is, is a, a protocol that's built on top of Ethereum. So Ethereum is a blockchain where you can actually code uh, and, and make smart contracts which which obey the code you have written, right? So you cannot, if they are immutable, uh, the rules cannot be changed after they are deployed, etc. So Lendroid is one of these smart contracts and they are stay, lying there on the Ethereum blockchain. And anyone uh, who wants to trade, what they do is, uh, we have two sides to the market. One side is the lender uh, who, who has a digital asset and he's long on that digital asset, but does not mind earning a small interest uh, by lending it out to someone, right? So imagine you have Ethereum with you uh, lying around and you're thinking, I- I'm not going to sell it anytime soon. I'm going to lend it out to someone, right? So that's one side of the market uh, that happens. And the other side of the market is a margin trader. Margin trader is like a, how do you say it? He's like a real estate mogul. Uh, he, he wants leverage, right? He wants leverage. So, so he has $100, but he wants to buy, hold positions of $250, more than what, what he actually has. So he puts up that $100 worth of collateral into Lendard smart contract, borrows the money from the guy who's lending him, and then goes and, and plays the market. Right? So if he makes money, he, he gets to keep the profit and returns the loan. If he does not make money, he has to repay the loss or actually he loses his collateral to the lender. Right? Gotcha. And, and are they trade? Is the margin trading? Yeah. What is the margin trader trading on your platform? So, margin, uh, so in, in this case, what happens is there are so many uh, people who have been in the mainstream, probably there is there's Bitcoin, which people are familiar with, but there are so many tokens that are being issued on top of Ethereum, right? So for each uh, application uh, people are building or a protocol people are building, it comes with their own token. So all these tokens are quite valuable too. So if you look at the top 100 uh, crypto assets, uh, that will be Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc., around 42 assets are, are on top of Ethereum. So there are so many assets that have been issued on top of Ethereum, right? So uh, the the bad analogy would be these are uh, these are shafts of of these uh, companies that are being built on top of Ethereum, right? So all these tokens are have a have a value based on what they enable, what these applications enable, and and that is what people are trading. So um, imagine playing the stock market. What are you buying? You're buying an Apple share or a or a Google share, right? So in this case, you'll be buying the equivalence of, of these companies on the blockchain. And that's what you're playing around with. Gotcha. Awesome. Wow. That's okay. That makes a lot of sense. So pretty much you could uh, sell short and trade at, trade on the margin with uh, any of the tokens built on the Ethereum blockchain using that's your correct. platform. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, and so, so how does that work? Are they 
will you have your own token and will they trade will it uh be an exchange with your token while they're trading and then change back to um, the other token. So, yeah. We do have our own token, but if it does not uh, uh, come into, like it does not intervene while you're trading. So okay. when you want to trade, it's just the same token you want to trade. But we have, uh, it's, like, it's like this. So uh, in Bitcoin, there is Bitcoin and there are Bitcoin miners who are helping the network, right? So when you want to decentralize uh, uh, certain operations, what you do is you let people work on those operations off-chain. So they, they, they don't present all their work to the chain, but only present their work when there is an intervention required. So in our case, what happens is, see, the, the margin trader is trading at a, at a leverage, right? So if, if he's making a loss or he's, uh, his collateral value is collapsing, we need someone to inform the smart contract yeah. that he should stop, right? He, or he should be stopped, right? And, and those people are off-chain, meaning that they are running their own servers, which is not on Ethereum, which, which can be a traditional server. They're just looking up all the market data. And, and it, it, it's done off-chain because that's the only possibility. We cannot do a lot on-chain. On-chain is very costly. On-chain computation is very costly. So we push them off-chain. And these people are paid in our native tokens, right? So that is that is the that is where the Lendroid support token we call them LSTs that come in. So the margin trader and the lender pays the off-chain players uh, to make sure that the whole protocol and the ecosystem is healthy and monitored. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. And and where are you with the kind of the development of this platform? Is it is it out there or when when's, what's their timeline? Uh, so we've been working on this project for 11 months now. Uh, feels like a very, very long time in blockchain. Uh, but uh, <laughs> actually, when we started the project, uh, Ethereum was uh, $15, right? So, oh, <laughs> wow. Was it like 460 now or something? Or? <laughs> I think it had, a, it had a 30% boom yesterday, so it's around $600 today. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a funny ride and a very anxious ride too. Uh, for us, uh, we are, uh, on the on the product level, we are almost about to launch our first leverage on chain. So we we've, we've said to people that we will do it before the end of 2017, and probably will we will um, achieve that goal. And and by Jan, uh, we would we will launch our uh, how do you say we will la- launch our p- public network. So a public protocol will be launched by the uh, end of Jan. Gotcha. Or by the end of, wait, by the end of January, you say? Uh, yeah, yeah, 2018. Wow, so soon. Well, that's yeah, exciting. quite soon, yeah. Okay. All right, and I want to go back to the question before. I just wanted to clarify something. So if, if I'm lending, and let's say I have a mm-hmm. you know a bunch of, I don't know what would be a good token example. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank, but if I have a... That is a token called Omisego, which is OMG for short. So you can use that as an example. OMG, you said? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> okay, all right, sounds good. Um, so let's say I have a bunch of those tokens and that you know I want to lend. Um, and, yeah, and I think you kind of described this, but I just want to clarify. So from my perspective, I have these tokens, I want to lend them out, and then how do I get to, how do I get paid the, 
the interest for lending those out? What's the kind of exact mechanism? Sure. Uh, so, okay. Imagine you have uh, uh, 100 OMG tokens. Yep. Uh, what you do, first you deposit uh, those tokens into a smart contract, which is the lender smart contract. So again, no one has custody over your funds ex- except the smart contract. Um, no one, no other middleman has the has uh, um, control over it, right? So you cannot you, you you cannot use your money in a hack. That's the first part. The second is you then go ahead and say what are the terms you require for your for your loan. So the lender defines the terms. You say how many days you want to lend your money out. Uh, you say what interest rate you are looking for, right? And then all like like you, there'll be multiple lenders for the same OMG tokens, and all of these offers get assembled on a on an offer book, right? So it looks like a, a, a ascending order of of interest rate. Uh, so it's just a list of all offers put put together in one place, right? So when the margin trader comes in, he looks at these offers and thinks he's going to take the offer that that uh, re- requires the lowest interest uh, because that's that's rational for him. And then he say, what, what does he do is he takes the OMG token, your 100 OMG tokens, and goes uh, sells it for Ethereum, for example, right? So now he's short on OMG and he, he, he still owes you those OMG tokens, but he has now Ethereum. Now in the uh, next few days, if the price of Ethereum goes up against OMG tokens, uh, what he can do is he can buy them back in the market for cheaper, uh, because OMG tokens are worth less in Ethereum. Um, so now he can give back the OMG tokens to you, plus the interest you requested. For example, if you requested one person uh, every day, uh, and it's it's been two days now, you would get 102 OMG tokens back, right? And and he keeps whatever is remaining as his profit. So for you, it's it's like a fixed uh, fixed uh, rate of return. And for him, it depends on how well he plays the market. Hmm. Oh, I love it. All right, that that's great. I love how that's <laughs> right. It's all distributed. That's really interesting. All right, and and uh, and as a lender, can I? What what about like a margin call? Like, can I set what I'm comfortable with, or will those kind of be predefined? Um, you know, if the price goes down too much. Uh, yeah. So uh, m- margin calls are are. are Liquidation is very important in our system because obviously one of the first objectives of the whole protocol is to make sure that the lender's capital is always safe, right? Because or, or else we lose uh, lenders lose trust in the system and no one is going to lend and this is not going to work. So what we do is that's why we have these system of off-chain players who are monitoring the blockchain. Now these people are we call them wranglers uh, because they wrangle margin accounts. Uh, so uh, these wranglers are the off-chain players uh, I was talking to you before, where uh, they are paid in LSTs by the lenders. So lenders, imagine lenders paying them to take care of their money when they are not looking at it, right? So the, it's the wrangler's job to make sure that they look at the margin levels of these accounts, the collateral of these accounts, and, and to make sure that uh, these margin accounts are healthy. If if they find a failing margin account, uh, the wrangler can intervene and pull down the account and repay the lender, right? So 
the wrangler comes into picture only when certain parameters are are hit uh, of certain levels of margin are hit uh, on the uh, on the prices uh, which is deter- predetermined before the contracts right and that is determined by the whole system so we have a governance model where, where these numbers are determined but they are fixed for the whole system Huh, interesting. And and why don't you you know why do you have the Wranglers? Why don't it's just the system automatically, you know, um, liquidate the position if uh, there's a margin call? Uh, that's a very good question. Now, traditionally, if you, if you have a server uh, architecture where you control the server, um, that's what you'd be doing, right? If you are running your own exchange, that's what you'd be doing because uh, computation is, is not very expensive. You can compute hundred thousand uh, accounts, and it's it does not require too much of money. Now, Ethereum on chain, uh, even though they're called smart contracts, and and of all the beautiful things they can do, they are still dumb because there are a lot of things they cannot do. Right. So one of the things is they cannot invoke themselves. So they cannot run schedule uh, tasks, uh, a cron job. Uh, they cannot. If every execution is is costed, right? So if you perform an addition, it's costly. If you perform a subtraction, it's, it it costs money. So everything, every operation is quite costly, and on chain uh, is only getting costlier with with all the all the uh, more uh, traffic that's coming onto Ethereum, right? So it's not it's cost prohibitive, and in in many many uh, situations, it's technically infeasible. That's why we have to use the off-chain player. Interesting. Okay. And uh, and what if they, you know, what if this Wrangler misses something, or what if all of a sudden, you know, one of the cryptocurrencies is crashing, and uh, mm-hmm. in price, and uh, it's too, you know, not enough time to execute the to liquidate the position. Actually, this this is where we are thinking about three different models. Uh, the first model is quite simple. So you elect a wrangler uh, who you trust to to take care of your account. Now, if he if he fails in doing so, all you can do is just get back whatever uh, was lent out. So okay. when you lent out, the margin trader got it, and and whatever is remaining in his account, you can it's it's like collections, right? So whatever you can get back, you would get back. This is the worst case scenario. The second part is we actually. Don't let one wrangler uh, do the uh, liquidation, but we let uh, any wrangler do the liquidation, and we can have multiple, right? So in that case, what we will do is we will let multiple wranglers fight for the same margin account. Uh, the first guy to identify a failing margin account gets paid a bounty, and after that, it's like a competition uh, between them. So a bidding war where they bid for the minimum collateral. Um, that they want to take from the margin trader in order to perform this operation. So in a way that that uh, that uh, game or or that small auction uh, will will avoid one one wrangler uh, dependence on what just one wrangler, right? Because some rang- some of the wranglers who are involved in the whole operation might come in uh, when when it's when it's time. To liquidate, so that's that's one of the things. The third part is we are actually thinking about working with, uh, say, traditional clearinghouses, where they will almost become the central counterparty, but without the custody of funds, mm. right? So they, you are giving your money 
are trusting that the counterparty, the central counterparty, will take the risk in case of a crash, right? So for that, it will be a little costlier, the whole process, but it will just give you more uh, peace of mind. So these are the three things we are working on. And, and probably the third thing will become practical in the next next year, in the middle of next year. But that's something we we are really trying to work hard on. Mm, interesting. That's a good idea. Okay. And and can you just describe uh, a little more on the kind of the on-chain, off, off-chain uh, transactions? And, you know, I know on-chain, you know, like you said, it can be expensive because you have to, pay for any type of transaction on the blockchain, you have to, you have to pay. Um, so at what point do transactions go from on the blockchain to off and then off to on? Does that make sense? I'm trying to figure out kind of the flow of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like we have a philosophical uh, answer to that. We say any, any intentions are off chain, any commitments to intentions are on chain, right? Uh, so how it works is say, if you want to, uh, if you are, if you, if you want to give out a loan, the first step is you have to deposit it, your your own G tokens into our smart contract. Now, obviously, that is on chain because you need a transaction to transfer your funds from your account to our smart contract. So that's an on chain transaction, right? But then after that, when you want to uh, set your terms for your loan, uh, you need not do it on chain because it's it's still not a loan that's active. Right. Yep. So what you do is you, you set up an off-chain offer and you sign it with your private key. So off-chain offers are, are actually as good as on-chain, but they are not committed yet. So what you can do is if you change your mind, you can just take out your off-chain offer and then replace with a new offer. And there is no cost to that because it's all off-chain, right? So you just pull it out and put a new offer. Now, if the new offer is picked up by someone, that when someone picks it up, he has to submit it to the smart contract to avail the loan. And at that point, there is an on-chain transaction, right? So whenever there, there we require money to move, that is when we do on-chain transactions. Until then, it's all off-chain. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's clever. All right, I like it. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You guys, have, you guys have thought about this, um, <laughs> so that's good. And uh, and so, how will you guys get paid? You know, with this, uh, it's a uh, it's a question I get asked a lot actually because uh, uh, it's see this is an extension to the open source uh, uh, culture we we've had since say the Linux days, right? Where we had open source projects and and actually open source projects are in fact public goods. Uh, meaning, uh, if you if you try to rent seek on an open source project, it really goes bad. Uh, uh, right, so it take uh, Linux for example, uh, or or or, uh, or um, the Chrome browser, or the, even the internet for example. If there is a rent uh, you pay for for using the internet all the time, that's that's going to suck. So in a way, our project is in the same uh, philosophy, where we are a non-rent seeking project, meaning that loans go through our system. But Lendard, the foundation, or myself, I don't take a cut of that, right? So I don't make a, uh, I don't make one percent of all the all the interest rate I, I receive. So we don't do that. Uh, it's very tempting because it's a huge market. But if you if you look at why we want to do it, non rent seeking, 
that 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 removes the possibility of any competition and and increases the probability of partnerships that's the whole point so we want everyone to work on top of it now because we don't make any money out of the rents or the transaction itself what we do is we we do a fundraising with our with our native token so we raise funds in order to develop the protocol uh, that's that's the initial uh, fundraising and we issue the lst tokens which are our native tokens now we also keep a little bit of our tokens to ourselves and and we hope that if we make this protocol really successful those would be valuable right and that is how we would make our money so we'll get paid a salary and we'll also keep some tokens for ourselves gotcha well that's nice all right that's an interesting business model i like it that's a very uh very giving or <laughs> yeah but like you said if people use the platform you'll only benefit in the long yep. run and and uh and the last question and i know we're we're over time but uh you know i get talking and uh-huh. i forget about the time but so uh with uh how and you've talked about this before but just wanted to clarify this on the, the lendroid token and in mm-hmm. what capacity when is that being given out and i know you talked about it i just wanted to make sure i had it clear in my mind uh did you ask me when or how or yeah so it, it what uh at what point do you know if I come with, uh, you know, the OMG token, uh, how will I okay. start to get the Lendroid to- token? Or at what point do you start paying at that? Or how does that interact? Oh, got it. Yeah. So, so you, uh, actually, if you, uh, so the, these are two different things. So when you use our protocol, what you do is if you are a lender or a margin trader, you need some LSD tokens to, to fuel the network because that's the LST token is what secures your capital, right? So you need and you pay LST token. Now, where do you get LST tokens from? You can either buy like purchase LST tokens on a on a secondary market, so that will be exchange, or we would be launching our token uh, by the, uh, the and it will coincide with when we launch our public uh, network. So that will be around the end of Jan. So we would have a token launch event where we let people contribute Ethereum uh, and and they get LSTs in return, right? So that that is how the LSTs will be distributed, and uh, that that's our plan. So after that, it's 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 just that you use the protocol and whoever supports our protocol, being a wrangler, uh, being a order book, etc., they will earn LSTs while the lenders and the margin traders. Pay the LSP. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. All right, that's helpful. And uh, and 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 the, is the is the are those tokens used for the kind of the, the off chain or the yeah the off blockchain uh, transactions? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that where they're being used on your own personal kind of blockchain? Uh it's the off chain is not necessarily mean a personal blockchain. So it just means that uh, there are things that are half that. Like someone is sitting and computing your margin accounts all the time, right? Yep. And and that costs some computing power. Gotcha. Now he does not keep telling the blockchain that he has computed, computed. But when he actually identifies a failing account, we know that he has been looking for a while, right? He has been looking onto your account for a while. So that is why he gets paid, and he does not get paid every second for the computation. But 
when he actually identifies an account so it's more like a bounty uh, and then then like a continuous payment and that is how he gets the lst so the lsts are paid when the wrangler who's a off chain player actually uh, submits an on chain transaction right so when he ex- uh, correctly identifies a, a, a failing margin account that is when he gets paid the lst gotcha interesting all right that makes sense thank you and uh yeah so i think that's just uh about does it for this podcast and uh, i know it went over time but Vignesh, really appreciate it. This is I, it's really cool what you guys are putting together here. So I'm ex, I'm excited to try it out when you uh when you launch here. <laughs> so often. Are you are you also or how 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 into crypto are you? What's that? How into uh, cryptos uh, are you? Well, uh, you know, not I've been looking at the Bitcoin blockchain for years, and you know, I bought some and okay. sold, sold some. Um, and we okay. actually, <laughs> I've got a software firm and. A client actually just paid us a, quite a bit in ether, so uh, we have to. Uh, wow. So now we have a, and it just was yesterday. So um, I think uh, we actually did okay <laughs> with uh, uh-huh. the price going up. But um, yeah, we got lucky. So uh, yeah, starting to get more into it, and uh, we are we actually are working on a blockchain project too. Um, but uh, anyways, we can talk more about that another time. But. Yeah, definitely very interesting, sure, sure. And, and I love the you know kind of, I kind of actually have a finance background, so um, I love what you're doing because okay. it's a, it's a definitely a little but, more uh, complex than uh, question, yeah. Your questions were really good, right? So uh, I was like, okay, cool. This is this is getting really nice. So that's <laughs> nice. All right, good, good. <laughs> um, but no, this is awesome. So uh, really appreciate it, and uh, well, I'll we'll keep a. Uh, I'll keep track of you and maybe I'll have you on in another year or something if you if you're a game. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Definitely. Thanks a lot, Dave. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs and our new series Flyover Block. And uh and as always I definitely appreciate it. Thanks everyone. Sure. Thanks, Vignesh. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>